Hello, welcome to the podcast. Good evening. We're hanging out in the bar. I'm your host, Nate. And I'm Jason, your co-host. Did you check the audio quality on this? Yeah, I checked it. Oh, all right. Do you want to listen to it? No, that's right. Okay. We'll continue. Yeah, okay. keep, keep it rolling. Dude, not even going to cut that, bro. Roll <laughs> tape or whatever they say. Roll tide, baby. Well, that's not it. <laughs> that's not what no. they say. No? Wrong, no. Wrong one? Okay. Yep. Um, how are you? I'm doing good, dog. How about you? Pretty okay. Pretty okay. It's a busy day. Yeah. Very busy day. Mother's Day weekend. Happy, happy Mother's Day to oh, yeah, it's Mother's everyone day. out there. Or, it was yesterday. It's 1.40 a.m. It was a very busy day. <laughs> it was a really... So, you know, we we work in this restaurant, bar, and... Uh, <clears throat> so, we're just doing takeout right now, and it just... We got slammed today. It was crazy. It was like everybody that wanted Mother's Day brunch filled up the Mother's Day brunch slot and then we had to kick it to dinner so we were just busy all day so and then by dinner time we had no available ordering times anymore and we ran out of food and drinks actually ran out of drinks too yeah we ran out of everything and it's hot it's like 85 degrees in Seattle it's nuts uh anyway we are talking history tonight some Revolutionary ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get the hint. It's the French Revolution, though, not the American Revolution. Nope. Another time, maybe though. Another time. You out there were so, yeah, America. <laughs> <laughs> so patriotic and thinking it was American, it's not. Yeah. Well, you know, and that French Revolution was pretty key to, well. Well, not the French Revolution, but, you know, France was pretty pretty key into our success to becoming yeah. independent, so. It's true. They yeah. kind of funded our war for us. Yeah, so, any French people, you're the real v- M- MVPs, dude. You're the real ones. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thanks, France. Yeah, thanks, France. <laughs> Appreciate it. On behalf of the entire nation, <laughs> me and Nate are thanking you. Um, all right, so, the French Revolution... It lasted from 1789 to 1799. So, 10 years, the end of the 16th, uh, 16th? No, 18th century. End of the 18th century. Um, Leading up to this, the whole world's kind of at war. The Seven Years' War is pretty prominent, lasting from 1756 to 1763. So, kind of 20 years prior, you have most of the world kind of involved in just these these big conflicts that involved Europe, America, Asia, India, just kind of a whole whole lot of war, wars going on, and so most of the world is kind of starting to fall into debt because they're just funding these wars that are constantly going on and on and on. So that's kind of leading us into it, um, and then the French obviously had their own role to play in that. Yeah. So um, in the 17th century... Uh, a new king comes about, King Louis XVI, and he becomes king after his grandfather dies. And King Louis is kind of like the start to the whole revolution, kind of. Uh, well, plays a part in it. And so his grandfather dies, and he becomes king. And at this time, King Louis is only 20 years old. So he's a very young person and uh, you know it's a huge responsibility and 
even he kind of knew that he was kind of over, like in over his head like he didn't he was pretty unsure with how like qualified he was really to be king and like he kind of voiced those concerns early on but you know it's a monarchy and it's passed down through heritage so and you're you the, get what you get yeah <laughs> like you're it dog so buckle up buttercup I mean he was generally kind of a in his in the early days he was a liked person you know he he generally did what he thought was best for the people and what the people wanted um he made some bad political moves because he thought that the people would want it, want it, and he just, he wanted to be liked, and so he's like, this is what people want, so I'm going to do it, even if it was kind of bad for the country. Uh, that, including the American Revolution. So France kind of helped fund the American Revolution. They sent troops, they sent uh, supplies, weapons, kind of secretive, secretively just to kind of get back at Britain, their longtime rival. So, And that was one of the first... Um, the first political or um, like mistakes yeah mistakes but kind of like the first foreign foreign relations that he really did that he really played a major part in and he's like look we we can get some serious allies in with America and then we can also get back at Britain so let's do that it'll make us right and then we ended up signing a a treaty with or not a treaty a <clears throat> you know, I will call it a treaty. Whatever, mm, a tra- okay. it's not a treaty, but an, we'll, we'll, an agreement. An agreement with America, saying that if France and and Britain ever go to war, then America is going to ally with France. So he looks at it as kind of like a win-win. He's like, great, we get allies and we get to we get to kick Britain's ass again. So. Yeah, it kind of seemed like it was mostly like fuck Britain. I yeah. want to do anything to fuck. I mean, Britain honestly. Over. Yeah. Fuck Britain, though. Yeah, honestly, you fucking nasty teeth <laughs> bitches. <what>? Jeez. <laughs> Take it easy there, just Captain. Just, just kidding. Come. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, alliance. That was the word I was looking for earlier. Alliance. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, that was kind of the start, like, they're funding... The Revolutionary War, and they're having, like, a bunch... And, you know, all of Europe is pretty much at war, and there's a bunch of fighting going on between everyone. And, you know, uh, fighting wars costs a lots and lots of money. So, um... At least. Yeah. At least lots of At lots. least lots, if not <laughs> a lot, a lot of money. A lot, a lot. Yeah, so, uh, very quickly... Uh, like, France is just borrowing a bunch of money from all these banks and stuff, and eventually all the banks are like, no. So they're not giving France any more money, and so in order for France to get any more money, they have to, like, start paying off their debt, and then also, like, just to collect more taxes, and the way that the taxes are kind of set up is that mostly the peasants are paying, um, like, all of the tax, actually. Like, all of it. And so, all this tax is happening. France is in a financial crisis, and France is also experiencing uh, a lot of famine right now because the winters have been really bad, and also they're at war, and war is not really good for agriculture at all. So, France is kind of in a really bad spot as King Louis kind of 
just starting his reign, really. So, France realizes that they're in this predicament. They're like, alright, we're kind of in a shitty spot right now. We're out of money. Let's bring together our government and figure this out. So, the government up until now is is called uh, the Estates General. Well, probably something in French, but whatever. Um, and that's essentially a... It's like a, a build-up based on these three... The three estates. And I'm using quotation marks. Um, you have estate one, which is the clergy... Or no, excuse me, the nobility. Uh, estate two, which is the clergy. And estate three, which is everybody else. You have the common folk, you have the poor people, everybody. And estate three, the, the common people, make up 98% of France's population and 1% going into estates one and two, respectively. Um, and so it hadn't calling the estates general essentially means that everybody's going to get into a room and they're going to talk it out and the way it works is each estate gets one vote so people put up ideas and then each estate votes on it and the way it usually works is because everybody's held equal somebody will say hey the third estate should pay all the taxes and then estate one and two say yay, and estate three says nay, but it's a two to one, so estate three loses literally every time. Mm. Yeah. So, like, just all of. So. Basically, like, it's set up in a theoretically kind of fair way, but, you know, it's basically a two to one vote every time because whatever is going to be good for the nobles and the clergy they're just going to team up together because it's going to be mutually beneficial for them both just to, like, continuously tax the, like, lower, or the lower class and the third estate. But uh, also just, like, um, King, King Louis also tried to have a tax reform to help change how the tax system work so that like nobles and clergy also um paid taxes but the parlement who's like kind of the panel of judges in france so basically they propose a bill and they vote on it and then it becomes law uh but they can just like straight up refuse to acknowledge like bills and stuff so that's kind of what happened so they were just refusing to acknowledge bills being passed to basically have them be taxed and then so that just is kind of like another like wiggle like kind of just like a flaw in how kind of like like loaded the system is in favor of just the top two branches really so it comes into the third estate is going to pay more taxes to fix the economic turmoil the country's now in. And obviously a third state's not thrilled. You know, they already have been taxed up. Everything is getting taxed. Salt's getting taxed. Bread's getting taxed. Wheat's getting taxed. Um, and the bread, apparently, was a really big thing because they're like, bread consists of like 90% of our diet and now it's getting jacked up. Like there were bakery or bakers that were murdered because they thought they were holding bread from people. So the bread getting too expensive was a really big deal. And the third estate is now getting taxes added, which then really leads us into kind of the revolution. Mm -hmm. And when the country decides to 
take a step back and reevaluate and then kind of kill everybody. Yeah. <laughs> a real revolution. Yeah. So, well, basically before any, like, real blood or anything happens, uh, but there'll be plenty of it. Um, so, basically, the third branch, re- or the third estate, realizes that this is a bunch of bullshit, and they get mad, and they start kind of protesting, and then they decide to kind of have their own assembly, and then uh, where they're holding the actual uh, estates general, uh, they literally get locked out of the building by, like, King Louis, because they're kind of causing a ruckus, and King Louis doesn't really like what they're saying, and the third branch ends up leaving and they go to a, a nearby tennis court where the famous tenant's court oath is vowed and this was just a a promise that they wouldn't disband until the until they have a fully realized like French constitution and like declaration of like making everyone citizens and kind of making everyone equal, or most of everyone equal, like, mostly men, you know, as usual. Right, of course. Yeah. So we've got the third estate who essentially says, fuck it, we're out. And they're like, we're going to make our own government with blackjack and hookers. That's a Futurama reference. Nice. Anyway, anyway. um, And so they go off and they're like, we're going to make our own government called the National Assembly. And this National Assembly is meeting and meeting, and then the king's like, no, no, I don't like that. So he locks their building. They go to a tennis court. And my beef is that they're always like, this is the famous tennis court oath. And I'm like, I only ever have heard about this when I'm looking into this topic. So I don't know how famous it is. But anyway, so they decide that they're not going to stop revolting until they get a new government. And this... This National Assembly is kind of led by this guy named Maximilien Robespierre, uh, who plays a pretty big part uh, in in the revolution as a whole. He's an up-and-coming law student, um, raised from a poor family, and he he kind of inherently has a beef with the king, because when he's in law school, we have the king, uh, Louis XVI, and Marie Antoinette, his wife, the queen, um, roll up to his, I think it was his graduation um, at this law school. And Maximilian Robespierre goes out and he reads them a speech. And the king doesn't even bother to get out of his, his uh, cart. And then, so th- Maximilian writes this, this speech for the king. The king doesn't even get out of his cart and then he just takes off. So Maximilian starts to have this like ever-growing beef with the king, which we'll eventually get into. Uh, when we when we get to the exciting part, so we'll get there. But just just keep this this Robespierre guy in the back of your head because it's going to get more exciting. Mm-hmm. History is fun. Yeah. You just kind of get to like tell a story. Yeah, sure, sure. So I going to have graphics. I mean, yeah. like a video up, and we can like sure. have this Robespierre guy sneak around in the back. Yeah. It looks good in my head. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> it maybe sound, you're not explaining sound. it well. Maybe not. 
That's got to be it. It's the explanation. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think what you're saying is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, basically, from here on now, there's just a lot of protests going on because, you know, the kind of the the National Assembly is kind of like, you know, the voice for the people, you know, they, they make up 98% of the population, so, you know, when in that kind of, in that branch, it kind of en- encompasses, like, soldiers and merchants and, like, the farmers and pretty much everyone of the society who's not a noble or a churchman, so, you know, Basically, the other two branches are just severely outnumbered, and everyone's just protesting, and basically it's just like, at this point, it's just like, they, if they want to, they could just take over the country in a whole. So, and so a bunch of rioting is happening, and eventually kind of the first, like, spillage of blood between and like the actual revolution happens on July 14th at the Bastille Fortress um, which is a prison where uh, admittedly not very many prisoners are being held I think it's like like in the single digits yeah, it's like two yeah it's like two prisoners <laughs> like, there literally no one's there it's just a bunch of guards <laughs> and a bunch of weapons which is mostly the reason why the they attacked the Bastille because they wanted to get their hands on a cache of weapons and also it was just like a bunch of uh, soldiers there and you know, uh, things elevated and yeah so basically they just took that and kind of secured a cache of weapons and now soldiers for the whole revolution to really start like churning and getting up to speed they're like, okay, things are heating up. We're going to need some guns. Yeah. So they storm the castle, literally, go in, take the guns. They cut off the general's head, who was stationed there, stick his head on a spike and start parading it around the streets of Paris. And that's when the king is like, okay, this is kind of getting serious. Like, okay. We're going to have to start listening. So the king actually shows up in Paris uh, for the first time in a long time because he's, he's been at his, his, uh, the palace in Versailles. Um, so he shows up in Paris wearing the revolutionary attire, which is kind of like a like a it. blue and red outfit. Anyway, there's it was mostly colors, um, but he he shows up wearing that just to kind of show respect um, that okay he's he's willing to start negotiating and, and listening because this is this is clearly going to be a thing that people want. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, we have all the nobles of the country kind of taking off. So a lot of the wealthy families are actually leaving France, going to other countries, uh, just in the surrounding area, and actually asking their governments to help retake France. They're like, okay, this is really heating up in France. We need to get, um, we need to kind of retake France mm. away from this National Assembly because it's becoming a real thing, uh, which leads into the uh, <clears throat> the Declaration of Pilnitz, which is essentially a bunch of different European leaders actually sign on. Um, saying that they wish to restore Louis to his full power and to kind of smash the the revolution because essentially it makes them money in the long run. But yeah, they they really don't. The other countries don't want to see all these revolutions because they're worried that their people are going to revolt 
and then they're going to have their own revolution on their hands. So they want to restore power to the king in France, essentially just as a... Precaution. Um, yeah, as a precaution, kind of like as a show of force that, hey, don't, don't fuck with your own government because you'll just get smashed. Yeah, yeah. Monarchs generally like monarchs. And then that's just like, you know, it's much easier to kind of get what you want out of a country if you just have to convince one dude to, like, side with you as opposed to, like, Oh, government. Talking to one dude, and then he talks to the whole government. He's like, "Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're <laughs> gonna go for it, dude." So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So generally, there's there's like a whole kind of coalition of like other European monarchs kind of gearing up to help Louis out and to take take back France. But in that time, um, so. What happens is the National Assembly, like, continues to take it further, and they're like, okay, we, we are, uh, I forget what the name of their actual kind of declaration was, but it was, uh, kind of like a, con- it was kind of like our constitution, where they made everyone, uh, equal, there's no lordships, or there's no titles anymore, no one's like a duke or whatever, so everyone's just a citizen, and ever and much like ours, like, these come with guaranteed rights, such as speech and religion, and, uh, and so, which is such, like, a radical idea, because, like, you know, just, like, a few months ago, like, France had, the like, an official religion, and then, you know, you can say whatever you want, but now it's just, like, everyone has all these freedoms to do what they were like and you know that kind of helped speed up the whole thing because people could talk out about changes and their everything was more open and then uh, another big event that happened was on October 5th with the women's march uh, so we also didn't talk about Marie Antoinette at all. <laughs> well, I figured we'd get there. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. about to do it. All right, dude, get, get there. Yeah, it's kind of what it's kind of get there, baby. She's yeah. so basically. Uh, well, Marie Antoinette is King Louis's wife, and she's part of the Habsburg Empire, which is the empires that are. It's like a collection of uh, collection of countries in Europe. It's kind of like an East and West like Hasburg Empire kind of deal so like I mean it had originally been it had originally been larger yeah it was just kind of like a coalition of governments at this period in time it's kind of starting to wane and so I think wane not wax right waning is getting smaller yeah waxing is getting bigger so it's waning and you kind of just have like Habsburg on there's like a French or excuse me a a Spanish powerhouse and then kind of like an Austrian yeah like Hungary and Croatia. Yeah, so France is kind of like surrounded on either side by this quote-unquote Habsburg Empire. It's gone. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so uh, that's where she's from, and that's kind of where a lot of uh, kind of the support for the monarchy to remain in France is happening, because, you know, she's she's on the, well, she was on the throne of France, and <clears throat> you know, uh, that's literally her family who's in the Habsburg Empire and she's they're like oh we gotta go help our you know our family to you know kind of restore them and you know they're 
family, so they're going to try and help each other out and make both their, well, do what's best for them using their country instead. So, Marie Antoinette is, she's the daughter of the Emperor and Empress of Austria, uh, or the Holy Roman Empire at the time, if you will. Um, and generally, she's a nice person. She's a very kind, loving queen. Uh, not that intelligent when it comes to frugality. I mean, yeah. she just loves to spend. She would spend hours and hours paying someone to do her hair. Uh, she would just blow blow money throwing lavish parties and buying expensive jewelry. So she was a nice, kind person. Um, but the, the people of France didn't like her because she was continually spending money when the country's already in economic turmoil. And she's the daughter of of Austria, who has now just signed the Declaration of Pilnitz, or I think it was, yeah, that's what it's called. Declaration of Pilnitz, um, and so France is like, the people of France are like, hey, this chick's kind of side, she's she's the enemy, and she's kind of a bad queen. Yeah, she, yeah, like, she's just pretty, she's very disconnected from what kind of hardships and people experience in like the lower class and stuff and there's like some kind of funny stories like uh on the palace of versailles where uh her and king louis spent most of their life because they didn't really live in paris uh she had like a small farm like she had a farm built on the grounds of Versailles just so then she can play at being like a farmer and stuff and she would like like play with the sheep or whatever until she like got bored and then she'd pay people to like you know so she was just like playing at doing work that people had were forced to do so, I love that yeah so and yeah so she was just very disconnected and you know her obviously her ties with her family just kind of made more tension with kind of what the National Assembly was doing. Um, but anyway, so this next point is, uh, so there's a rumor going around that Marie Antoinette is just hoarding food in the Palace of Versailles. And a bunch of people are just getting kind of wind of this rumor. And eventually this leads to a women's march. And so on October 5th, it's just a bunch of women just kind of march onto the palace or Versailles and kind of demand to just go through the palace and try to find these stores of food. And basically, this happens, and they just decide since, you know, they can't really trust the royals because, you know, they're kind of, they've always just done things. Like, King Louis kind of had... He was he was good in his intentions and sometimes he would try to do things for the good of the people but you know they just couldn't really trust him especially with all the outer forces that were going on so they they forced him and the royal family to move to Paris where the the people could keep a closer eye on them so they marched them from the Versailles to Paris to be watched more closely but during this march uh none of the royal family were hurt but uh like some of like their close friends 
or like straight up murdered like one of Marie Antoinette's like best friends was like uh, killed and raped and like fucking body parts were just like on display and stuff so that got them very very anxious about what was going on and then so at this point a bunch of a bunch of nobles are starting to flee France and a bunch of nobles are starting to leave France and at this point kind of King Louis and the royal family are kind of beginning the same idea because you know it's kind of getting dangerous because they're just kind of at the will of the people for right now so we're at 1791 now we have the royal family uh, trying to duck out trying to head over to Austria to meet up with uh, Antoinette's family and so they're leaving out the, the eastern countryside of France and then they get stopped just kind of on a routine I guess stop. people people's army stop I don't know just people checkpoint. farmers checkpoint farmer checkpoint mm-hmm. so they walk up and they stop them and they're like hey you kind of look like the royal family and they're like no 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 we're really not and then they're like no we think you are so now the royal family is in custody in Paris um, with the just the general people. Uh, meanwhile, in the background of all of this happening, we got the we got Robespierre rising up, kind of making moves towards the top. Um, he will eventually actually become the leader of France. I don't know if he gets a real title. Probably does. Anyway, sure. as of right now, he's just kind of making moves. Um, and his National Assembly, along with the what's called the group of Jacobins, Jacobins, I don't know, um, it's kind of this radical, revolutionary group of, of people who just strongly believe in the revolution, ousting the monarchy, um, and they're this really radical group, and he's, he's kind of the leader of them, and he's also kind of the leader of the National Assembly, which is at this time the leader of France. So he's kind of imparting these really radical ideals on the, on the country while now the royal family uh, is in custody. So this is 1791. Um, eventually, uh, on 1792, um, on January, no, excuse me, yeah, January 21st, um, there are 1,200 horsemen. They actually go, they pick up the king, ride him into Paris, uh, into the middle of the city, and he is executed via the guillo- gui- guillotine. Gui- guillotine. 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 I've, I think I've heard it pronounced with the L's. Guillotine. Guillotine? I think there are L's in it. There are L's, but... but French is making any sense, so... Anyway, so the guillotine, I'm sure you've heard of it or seen it. It's it's the big thing where you lay down and, and then the you pull the lever and the big blade comes down and cuts your head off. So this radical group of Jacobins, Jacobins, has been bringing this, these guillotines into kind of the town squares of a bunch of towns um, and executing uh, anti-revolutionaries. And so via Robespierre's suggestion, um, this is done to the king as a show of force of the new government. Um, Robespierre, although he kind of has this building hatred of the king, he actually doesn't go to his execution uh, on the 21st. Which then, um, I guess we should talk about why the king was executed, eh? Yeah. Yeah, so... (laughs) Treason is is the short answer. Yeah, like, treason, so basically... You know, his wife, Marie Antoinette, 
she's basically the family. She's of the family of a bunch of monarchs who are trying to take France back and make it into a monarchy. They try to leave, and you know, if they actually succeed in leaving, you know, eventually the army can come back and put them back on the throne. So basically, as as long as King Louis and the royal family of France was alive, it was just like always like, oh, we could always have a, like a resurgence of a monarchy. So you have to kill the monarchy now who was, you know, just kind of there. It's like he was there because of heritage, and if you killed him now, and now you could only elect a monarchy into... Because that's what they were trying... They were going for more of a voting process, like monarchies would be elected into ruling, and uh, even, like, clergymen would be elected uh, by their by their peers and it wouldn't be that they were anointed by God you know, in quotation marks because uh, you know ultimately it was just uh, other strong people deciding like oh you do this for me you get to be a you get to be a bishop or whatever so um, yeah so uh, they kill Louis to kind of secure that you know France is going to be forever changed really uh, so, basically, King Louis dies, the whole reign of terror happens, and Maximilian, Rose, Pierre, uh, killing a bunch of people, putting a bunch of people in prison, has some super radical ideas, and uh, a majority of people are not on his side anymore, and basically there's, like, a counter-revolution, revolution, revolution. <laughs> and, and uh, so they stop uh, the reign of terror they arrest Maximilian Rochepierre eventually also gets guillotined there's a lot of people <laughs> there's a lot of people getting guillotined a lot of people getting guillotined <laughs> yeah. uh, so he gets guillotined now there's just kind of like a big opening like what the fuck is going on um, and there's so basically what France is really desiring right now is just any sort of stability and just kind of a back to normal you know they just want to well know. it gets even worse for a while right because now right at this time we we kind of oh you know I'm going to actually correct myself from a couple of minutes ago the king died January 21st of 1793 I said 1792. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the king's gone, the queen's gone, and now the other countries are starting to invade. And you have, like, France's new military trying to fend off all these other countries. It actually works. They somehow take it over. Or, they don't take it over. They keep it. They don't let it get taken over. Uh, which kind of leads into, like, the final phase of the quote-unquote revolution, which where it kind of comes full circle. Uh, so, basically, like I said, there's, like, a big opening. They're just wanting some stability. And, like Nate said, all these wars are happening around, and somehow, miraculously, they're winning all of them. <laughs> they're winning all of them. I mean, they have good, they have good leadership mm-hmm. in terms of 
military generals. Yeah, and uh, that one would be Napoleon Bonaparte. And so he's a general, and he's just uh, winning all these battles for France, and uh, you know, and what could have been a super like, and basically France just being overrun by and becoming like non-existent anymore, and becoming like just parted out to other European countries. So he returns to Paris, a war hero, and everyone's just kind of ecstatic and grateful and happy that you know he won all these battles for them and they're kind of looking for new leadership and you know who's better to give the leadership to than the man who kind of saved it all so napoleon uh becomes the new the new hit honcho uh and he essentially becomes uh, a, a monarch but Everyone's okay with this one. Everyone's okay. <laughs> We're okay with this one, are you? Yeah. So, yeah. And then that's kind of where Napoleon's story starts. And so he's he's a young guy. Came up. Short. <laughs> he's not that. He's you know, relatively he's average. Yeah, he's pretty average. <laughs> um, so he's a young guy who comes up from a military school, a pretty regular family, really bright guy. Wins a bunch of wars. People really like him. Um, and they're like, hey, why don't you be in charge? And he's like, okay, sure. And then he, uh, he declares himself the Emperor of France, which is a title no one's had before. Um, and then he just kind of starts his own monarchy. He's, he's a really interesting character. He could use his own podcast by himself, you know, just with all of, all of the feats that he achieved. So potentially in a, a later date on that one. But, yeah. but that's kind of where it ends. It's kind of like France started off with a monarch and then and ended with a monarch after 10 emperor. years of <laughs> ended with an emperor after 10 years of kind of shit storming so yeah it did change the world right I mean it showed it showed the might of kind of enlightenment meaning you no longer rely just on God or what the government says you kind of you kind of some free thinking um, and it, it definitely played a big role in world evolution thereafter I think as did the American Revolution but but the France just kind of really compiled to that so interesting interesting history stuff. yeah well I think that's kind of that's that's the podcast yeah that's the podcast that's, that's it that's, that's the final note that's how it ends yeah alright anyway catch us next time when we talk about 